Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. So Andrea is going to open us. So welcome to the to the last day of um, GDUI programming. It's another really exciting day of programs, and there's a lot to go over. So I'm going to be very brief. Or I'm going to try anyway. Um, I'm going to start by giving our CEU code for this course or for this session. That is 30611 is the opening CEU code. I um, We have a lot of really awesome people to listen to today, so it's not going to be me for long. I want to just give a couple of really quick reminders. We've got a membership special going on. We've got a merchandise special going on. And we um, are excited about those. And I have a couple of really quick door prizes to give out. I apologize for the awkwardness of this particular system. However, I don't have a brailler in front of me or a braille display. So I'm going to um, have to toggle between screens. But I know that our first door prize goes to Maria Christic. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Um, Thank you. One second. And the next three are Eileen Akers. Um, Linda Yaks and Lorna DeRosas. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with last names. Don't worry if I mispronounced your last name so significantly you can't even recognize it. I know who you are and they'll send you a prize. I promise. The rest of you today want a combination of the scrubby bath mitts for your dogs and some swag from the two labs that Dr. Giudici is involved with, which are Unar Labs and the Vimy Lab at the University of Maine. So that's what that's about. And without any further nonsense from me, I'm going to turn this over to Vicki, who I just have to say publicly makes the job she does look easy. It's so not. She looks, us as an organization look fabulous at all of our conventions. And I cannot imagine trying to put this convention together without her. So thank you so much, Vicki. And I'll be back at the end to close this uh, session down. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much, Andrea. Oh, everybody, welcome. It has been a long time coming, but what a wonderful uh, opportunity we have today to hear from these wonderful programs. Um, before we get into the main reason for why we are here today, I just want to take a moment to extend a heartfelt way to go to dog guide handlers far and wide for their dedication, persistence in just taking on the task of applying for, waiting for in anticipation that class date, attending training, whether it is on campus or in their home community. And then upon graduation, doing everything that they possibly can to keep their partnerships strong and secure and safe. Hats off to you all. It is because of you that all these wonderful dog guide schools are in existence. So now to the wonderful program at hand. Um, we are going to start, we have 11 count them, 11 programs who have agreed to come in and share today. And I have no doubt that what we are going to hear 
is going to be quite incredible after the crazy year that we have had. After our first presenter gives the update, I am going to introduce a question that I would love for all the schools to um, deal with. I am hopeful that after all the schools present, that we will have at least a few minutes for potentially questions from those who are listening. But we do have a lot of schools, so let's get going. I am going to start by asking the new kid on the block to present her update, Diane Bergeron from CNIB Guide Dogs. I was introduced to this program several years ago in Rochester, and they have just been in existence for a short time, but have already hit the guide dog world like gangbusters. So Diane, take it away. <laughs> Thanks very much, Vicki. I hope that everybody can hear me all right. Um, so I'm Diane Bergeron. I'm president of CNIB Guide Dogs, and I'm based in Carlton Place, Ontario, Canada. Um, Vicki, you're right. So CNIB uh, <clears throat> got into the world of um, guide dog training in 2017 with uh, one, one staff member, one GDMI, and uh, two puppies. And I'm happy to say that uh, we are currently sitting at a, uh, now just a few years later, we have 40 graduated guide dogs out working across Canada from coast to coast to coast. Um, really proud of the program. We worked very hard of course, during the pandemic, uh, lots of things happened in our program that really caused some shortages for us. And I'll just quickly touch on a couple of things um, to let you know how we, we managed in, in the world of pandemic. <clears throat> Starting with puppies, um, CNIB Guide Dogs, uh, because we're so new, we don't yet have our own breeding program. Um, so we uh, have been getting our dogs, golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers, and crosses of those two from uh, a breeder in Australia. When the pandemic hit in, from February of 2020, up until, believe it or not, up until just yesterday, we did not have one puppy from career dogs injected into our program in Canada. So we faced a real shortage um, coming in. We did manage to come up with a solution, which we'll touch in, in the later session in the global one, but we did make a part, uh, create a partnership with Vision Australia and uh, sent a puppy raiser over there. And we've had puppies being raised in Australia for our programs. We are getting all those puppies coming back to us now that we can transport them. Um, and we started working with various breeders across Canada just to get as many puppies injected into the program as possible. And as you know, that's not going to help us right now. That's going to help us a year from now. But, um, you know, trying to, we know that there's going to be a backlog for us. So we're trying our best to make sure that we get as many as possible. One of the other things that we, uh, that we did in, during the pandemic was um, contacted schools across uh, the United States and asked for some assistance. We did get a couple of programs, both guide dog and service dog schools that provided us with year-old to 18-month-old to dogs um, into our program that we could then train and uh, provide out to, to our um, participants, our clients here in our program 
uh, to get as many out as possible as soon as possible so we didn't have to wait for that puppy raising piece to be over. So that's been a great partnership. And we also, um, uh, during that time, one of the things that we really heard from our clients was that they really struggled with the pandemic in not just getting a dog, but those that had dogs were really struggling with a couple of, in a couple of areas, one being aftercare support. So we started doing a lot of video um, FaceTime and, and Zoom calls, trying to provide aftercare support. Um, where we could, we did travel. Um, we did petition each provincial government across the country to have guide dog uh, training and everything surrounding guide dog training considered an essential service. So that took a little bit of time, but we finally had that happen. And um, uh, so we did send out when we could to, to do home visits, but we did a lot of video. And then the other piece was around um, access, public access. Um, there was a lot of issues around guide dog handlers that, that contacted us and said they were really struggling with people not understanding that guide dogs were never trained for physical and social distancing and figuring out what exactly is this lineup for and we can't follow the areas on the ground and, and how do you stay six, week, six feet away from somebody when you can't see them. So we did a full out uh, campaign um, to help support guide dog handlers to let the public know that, uh, that there needed to be some awareness and understanding that our dogs don't understand that social distancing and can they please help us out by letting us know where they are. So we did a big campaign around that to help with the promotion of access and remove some of those barriers and, and issues uh, that were being faced. At this point, we are all out full running. Uh, we've started back doing some, some small classes in, in hotel-based settings um, and um, hoping to uh, really increase the number of dogs that we can put out. To that end, uh, one of the things that we also did was we, we brought in six apprentice guide dog trainers that started with us all at the same time in May. They're going through, the, the idea is that by the time they're ready to start really training their dogs um, and getting dogs into class readiness, uh, we will hopefully have um, doubled or tripled our uh, puppy intake by next year and they'll be ready to, to train them and we'll have the staffing capacity to do that. Um, last two things that we're involved in right now is we are expanding our what we call our canine campus, which is our kennel facility. Uh, we're doubling the number of dogs we can have in there. So we're, we're building that out right now and hopefully that will be ready in November so that we can be prepared for all of these new puppies that we're hoping to bring in. Um, and then lastly, we did do a partnership with GDB um, and, and thank you so much to them. Um, they have, uh, we've uh, made an agreement, we've partnered and they are providing us with our very first uh, CNIV guide dog mom, who um, is, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a nice way to, she's on her honeymoon right now. So we're hoping that she will, uh, that she will come to us in the next couple of weeks and will hopefully be the very first uh, litter of CNIB guide dog puppies in, injected into our program. So um, really thankful to GDB for that and all of the, uh, to Leader Dogs and GDF who helped us out with uh, dogs um, uh, into the program. And then again, Vision Australia as well. So I think I'll leave it at that because there's a lot of people, but that's where we're at. Well, thank you so much, Diane. Now you get to be the very first one 
to respond. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> you <laughs> what should if I be get it wrong? very afraid. <laughs> no, this is um, this is a question that I know um, a lot of folks will be interested to hear about. One of the main reasons um, that I got my first dog guide way back in 1978 was the craziness of our sighted drivers. And now, throughout the years, cars have been getting quieter. Now, I believe that although many of the schools here on this call have an on-campus facility, I believe they all also offer home training. So if you would please talk about traffic training for your program and how you not only deal with um, traffic work with students in the class environment, if you have that, but how do you face it when you go into the home community um, with, uh, um, without having a whole staff of crazy drivers who try to run down blind people and their guide dogs? <laughs> so, yeah, see, I was, I, I, I was sitting here thinking, oh, no, she's going to ask me, how do we train them for traffic? And I can't answer that because <laughs> I'm not a trainer. But I can help you with this one because we are, um, CNIB is a national organization, not just the, the guide dog program. But the organization as a whole provides other services across the country. So we have more than 50 offices across the country. So when we are going into the community to work with an individual, could be, you know, anywhere, Regina, Edmonton, wherever we're going. One of the things that our GDMIs do is they contact uh, the staff that's in that area and they get they get them to come out to help with the um, with the traffic checks. Uh, and the traffic training that we have a lot of orientation and mobility instructors with our sister organization at Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada that can help out with that and give us some advanced information. And, and I'm thinking right now, we actually have a student that's in class right now. She's going back to her home community with because we have a blended model uh, with that. And her GDMI is going back with her. And one of the things they're going to have to deal with is scramble crossings. And uh, so we, you know, we'll get in touch with the staff there and say we have a scramble crossing situation. Where's the best place to do this? We have a lot of resources to, to help us with that. Oh, amazing. Thank you so very much. Um, well, I do not have any kind of a real scientific way of going through this list. So I don't do it alphabetically. Um, so I'm just going to go down my handy dandy list here on my Victor. The next program I would like to introduce is Southeastern Guide Dogs. Susie Wolburn, take it away. Thank you, Becky. Hi, everybody. Um, I've got a couple of really big announcements um, for the industry. Our director of training, Rick Holden, has retired. And um, Jennifer Johnson is our new director of training. She's been with Southeastern for 15 years. Um, she's really stepping into a half a shoe, I think. She's never going to fill his shoes. So um, we're going to miss Rick, but he's not very far away from us, just a phone call away. So we're experiencing a big change in that. But we have this amazing alumni benefits program that started last um, March, just before the pandemic. And it's really rolling out now for our graduated teams. Um, we've partnered with From. Pet, family Pet Foods, uh, Elanco, who manufactures Trifexis. Um, and uh, we have a generous donor base who's allowed for free food, free preventatives, free annual wellness checks with your veterinarian, 
and all the vaccines to be covered for our graduated dogs while they're working. It's an amazing um, program to be a part of and I'm in awe of the amount of generosity that our community gives to us to support our graduates. I am also a graduate. I'm getting ready to retire my first guide dog. So um, we're not gonna talk about that though. So we'll move to the next thing. Um, we also just completed our canine fitness center. We have a canine aquatic pool that our, our in-for-training dogs can experience fitness and rehabilitation should they be injured or should they need some work on um, muscle building or things like that. We have a hyperbaric chamber, which is pretty cool to see a dog go in there and uh, heal a little bit. The dog has to be pretty special. Um, sorry, my dog's trying to interrupt my talk here. <laughs> um, it is amazing to see a dog who may not make the program because they have a, a, a fear of underfootings or an instability of underfootings. We put them in our rehabilitation and fitness program. And within a few four weeks or six weeks, they're able to balance. They're able to jump on, you know, what we call peanuts to balance on different surfaces. And they can really become successful guide dogs um, through that program. So we're very excited about that. But there are a lot of changes happening. And um, right now, we are fully back to... I, I hate to say normal, but we're back to what we were experiencing prior to COVID. So our classes are up to nine students a piece. We're having eight classes for guide dog users a year and four classes for our veterans that are fully sided with other disabilities. So we're rocking and rolling and hopefully we can get, you know, people matched with the right guide dog and, and get them the support they need to get out there and, and be independent again. On a personal note, I know the pandemic for me um, put me back a few years back to when I was um, reclusive because of my vision loss. And it was, it was a tough road. And I knew that I could reach out to my representatives at Southeastern and just talk to them about my fears and what I needed to get through myself. So it was a, it's been a hard road. I applaud every one of the graduates, regardless of what school you graduated from, for making it through this. It, it was not easy. So I think that's all I have. Um, I don't want to talk forever. Those that know me know I could, I, we could be here till six o'clock tonight if I continued. So um, I'm happy to hear my question. Um, you have the same one. I'm going to ask the same question of all the programs. So um, traffic training, how does Southeastern face traffic training, not only in class, but if, um, am I under, am I correct in a, uh, that Southeastern does do some home training? Absolutely. We, we do, um, like Diane was saying, we do a hybrid. Um, if we have a returning graduate that can't come to the class for three weeks, we may bring them here for a week and then follow them home, or we may do a, a complete home training for them. So um, on campus training, we have um, generous people who have donated a few hybrid cars for us so we can start to train with our dogs very early on in their in their training to identify the difference between a hybrid and a, a running engine um i and you're absolutely right vicky i, I know have been through the traffic training in class and it's not fun <laughs> um, but it you know it, with the two hybrid vehicles it's, there's one that's an suv and one that's a regular car and, and they're starting to learn that it might not just be the sound but it might be the visual of it um, when we do a home training, we usually try to have two staff members go, one that can be that, that driver that we all love in the car, <laughs> and the other one can be doing the training. 
So we try to give them, you know, all of our graduates, we try to give them a real life scenario as they're doing their home training. So if they're in a busy um, travel that we may take them right to that, that nightmare intersection and train them there so that they're comfortable in their surroundings. The next uh, presenter on my list is near and dear to my heart, the seeing eye, Dave Johnson. I've known Dave for many, many years. And when I reached out to him about this update, his comment to me was, um, well, I would not ask or subject anybody else to giving this update after the crazy year we've had. So Dave, you're on. Thanks, Vicki. Hi, everyone. It's good to see everyone on the call. Um, it has been quite a year um, for everyone involved. I know that we were uh, back in March of 2020 having a class that ended a week early um, and as a result of the uh, virus and we sent people home hoping we could get our Canadians back across the border. We had four in residence at that time. And we thought uh, in March that we'd be closed for a couple of weeks and then be back in service. And you know, two weeks later, we were rehoming 203 dogs and we sent all the dogs off campus back to puppy raisers, staff took them home. We had dogs all over the place. And uh, we were uh, sort of idled here on campus until July. And when I say idled, you know, the show never stops. We kept running admissions from home offices. Um, the leadership team kept meeting and making plans for our return, how we would return safely and so on. So um, a bunch of people kept working, but we didn't furlough anybody. We didn't let anybody go. We paid everybody all the way through um, and and kept them engaged. The instruction and training uh, department had quarantine hours every afternoon where we would catch up by Zoom and see what everybody was doing. But um, the, the big deal was, of course, planning to come back. And we started bringing dogs back in July. Um, chronologically, the, the next dogs ready for class came back in July and we had our first class last August. Our fiscal year runs October 1 through September 30. So um, in last fiscal year, I think we had 22 people. We did a class of 10 and a class of 12. Um, half size classes for us uh, with a, a ratio of one instructor and two students. Um, and that way we could socially distance. Our dining is all distanced. Um, we're, we're still keeping in that um, realm. We've done a lot of home trainings, um, tr probably double the amount of home turnovers we do in a normal year. And we continue to do home and away, which is start here on campus and finish at home. We hope um, at the end of this fiscal year, so by the end of September, to have served about 145 people, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and with the additional 20 that we picked up at the end of last year, we'll, we'll be looking at like 160 some since the pandemic hit us. Um, we're, we're working really hard to come up with plans to gradually boost the numbers. Um, I think we all have a little bit of a concern still about the uh, Delta variant and what the, what's gonna happen with that. Um, I feel differently today than I felt two weeks ago about the virus. I thought we were you know, seeing the light out at the end of the tunnel, but now there's, there's some concern. We're all masked on campus. Um, our students 
um, if they're not vaccinated, we are paying to quarantine them at a hotel here in Morristown for 14 days. Um, and, and the CDC protocols and guidelines have kept us all safe here. Um, I also, I really think also that our facilities staff, because they're so dedicated to cleaning, I think that's been one of the things that's kept us really safe. No, no cases of, of students or staff on campus getting the virus and our facilities uh, housekeeping staff comes in at five in the morning and walks, well, I think they come in at four o'clock now and atomize, walk through the building with a viral, antiviral atomizer and, and wet everything down. And it's dry by the time our students and instructors get up in the morning at 5.30. Um, so they, all the common areas are, are touched with that stuff. But I will say that despite um, how hard this has been on everybody, it's also really, really rewarding to have people here. Um, our student, everybody's always appreciative to be here, but it seems like it's an extra appreciation because you know, like I said, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. People are finally getting out and being a little bit social, even though we're wearing masks and masks, I know they make it really hard. I, I you know, I've, I, there are people in class sometimes that I've known for 30 some years and I don't recognize them because the mask is covering their face. So anyway, um, We've been, we're really happy with what we've been able to accomplish. We have budgeted for a normal year starting October 1. Um, I don't know whether I'll be able to have a class of 24 on October 1. It, it all depends on, on how things continue to go. But we're, we're geared up, we have the dogs. Um, we, we're prepared just to march on um, when we can, but we're gonna be guarded and careful, that's for sure. As far as our traffic training, um, I won't go real deep because I know you're on a time constraint, but um, we do really extensive traffic training uh, with the dogs and with our students in class. And we start our traffic training on the second day of class. Well, the second day with dogs, um, our students, we started a class on Monday. Our students got their dogs yesterday morning and today they're getting their first traffic check. And, mm -hmm. and it's a, with a staff driver um, it's done on a driveway, it's easy and we build up, but we have a staff driver driving every day of class um, so that students are certain to get an experience. And after a couple days of, of the beginning of class with a regular vehicle, we, we move to the hybrid vehicle. They never know what's coming um, if we're using the hybrid. Um, but uh, we, we make sure we put everybody in whatever, all the situations that they could possibly uh, encounter when they go home or we try to. Um, it's more difficult with the home trainings. Um, we don't have the, the luxury with the number of, of home trainings we do to send two people on something like that. So we, um, besides the fact on the home trainings, we have to use the, the, uh, the public for traffic training. We also uh, do use public in our training in class too. Um, you can't always get the public to cooperate with you as well as you'd like, as we all know. But um, on the home trainings, that's what we do. And we make sure we, we are satisfied. There comes a point where um, I, I really think that if a, an instructor in the field is, is concerned uh, with any kind of traffic reinforcement or anything, they'll figure out a way to, to reinforce it themselves while they're or training with the person in the field. So um, that's what I got. Okay, thank you so much, Dave. And You're I welcome. will 
I will say uh, for the question regarding traffic, if your question is already been answered by one of the other schools, you can just say ditto uh, in the interest of time. Or, But if you do have something that's a little different, we certainly would like to hear that. The next school that I have is David Laughlin from Leader Dogs for the Blind. Hi, uh, Vicki, Maria, can you hey. hear me okay? We sure can. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. It's great to be here. So, um, yeah, I'll uh, try and keep our update as quick as I can uh, with uh, 11 schools on the call, which is awesome. So um, so we are thankfully back to in-person classes on campus um, as well as uh, in-home deliveries. So for the most part, um, we're open to the majority of the U.S. when it comes to training for both our guide dog and orientation and mobility um, we're, we're always monitoring kind of what's happening in each state. So, um, as it pertains to COVID, so, um, we will kind of pull back from training even in certain states, just depending on what's sort of happening. But again, keep a close eye on any of that stuff, um, so that we can kind of get out to and serve clients, um, wherever possible. Um, so yeah, so actually the, the, the nice thing with, with um, kind of the last 18 months that we've been through, it gave us an opportunity to look at our class structure. So traditionally, we would do 10 classes a year at a four to one ratio. Um, and actually, so during the pandemic, we went down to a two to one. And what we're looking to do is introduce more frequent classes throughout the year. So we're hoping, depending on the situation, to have 13 classes a year at a three to one ratio. So um, that's, it's much nicer to kind of have that smaller class size, um, but again, more frequent classes to give folks an opportunity to come in at a time that may suit them better. Um, so what else has been going on? So um, we still have our orientation and mobility program, which is a one week long program again for individuals who are perhaps new to um, in their needs of orientation mobility through right through to folks who maybe just want to upscale um, in their orientation and mobility skills with the cane um, so that typically kind of goes Sunday right through to Saturday of five days of instruction just like we've always done and actually Again, during the last 18 months, we uh, were able to trial much more in-home orientation and mobility. Um, so about half of the clients that we actually trained in orientation and mobility last year were in-home, um, which I think was sort of around 30, 35 folks. So um, whereas traditionally, it's kind of been three people a year that we were able to do in-home. So that was uh, a nice opportunity for us as well. Um, our summer camp that we do every June, um, the last two years, we've done that virtually, um, which has had a great uh, success because what's been nice about that is we've been able to extend the age range of youngsters that were able to come to the virtual summer camp. So on, on campus, we typically at 16 and 17 year olds um, just by state license. But for virtual summer camp, we extended that age range to 14 through to 17. So um, that's been great. So 
Um, and something that we're actually going to continue even when we hope to next summer get back to on-campus camp, um, we're still going to keep a virtual aspect of that as well. So um, that's something we're excited about doing. Uh, and it also, <laughs> we've all been virtual, just like we are here. So um, we were looking at whatever opportunities we have to kind of engage um, with our clients. Um, and so we sort of developed some virtual offerings, some kind of pre-training that's out there now on the website. Um, and in January, we trialed something called Tom Talks, which is technology orientation and mobility uh, for 18 to 24-year-olds. Um, and that's kind of a, a loose-ish age range um, with more of a focus on kind of either going through school or kind of getting into the workforce. So some sort of networking um, uh, for folks as well. So that's been pretty cool for us to do as well. Um, just like other schools, many of the, um, in response to the pandemic, many of the, the same uh, um, safety precautions in place throughout this. Um, we've kept our class sizes relatively small across the board. So the current class that is on campus has seven guide dog clients in um, and we're sort of at two or three orientation and mobility clients at, at sort of any one time. So um, hopeful to start increasing those class sizes. But as I say, we're kind of keeping an eye on the situation. We're optimistically cautious, as they say. Um, so that's the, they're kind of the main points from LeaderDog. Uh, in terms of traffic training, very much the same as any, everybody else has says. We probably mirror um, very similar to what Dave Johnson said at the Seeing Eye. So um, that's our update from LeaderDog. Thank you so, so very much. Okay, moving right along as time is flying by. Fidelco Guide Dogs for the Blind. I believe it's Gretchen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everybody. Thank you. Um, so for anybody who's interacted with us in the past, I have joined, I'm a former instructor and also O&M instructor, and I have joined Tara, who some of you may know in uh, admissions and client services. So uh, I am here today. Uh, I just want to, I'll, I'll keep this brief. I know we've got a lot of us. We did, a, I'm, I'm sure, I think we sound a lot like everybody else during the pandemic dogs home until we could start bringing them back, you know, switching to phone, Zoom support for puppy raisers and guide dog users when possible. As soon as possible, we got back out individually working with uh, our puppy raisers and we're still doing that. Guide dog users, our ability to do it because we're in community training, our ability to accomplish all of that work doing placements was limited by first by safety, of course, taking precautions in the worst of the pandemic, but then also uh, states that might have restrictions on residents of Connecticut and also any restrictions that Connecticut had on, on us who live here. Because if you, for a lot of the pandemic, if you left Connecticut for more than 24 hours, when you came back, you had to do a two-week quarantine. So that really impacted our ability to accomplish anything. But we are now back out in the field. We've got a lot of interviews and uh, placements we're still catching up on, but we're getting to up to speed. It definitely impacted. I think um, the, the, at this point, the, um, and our staff, like all the other guide dog schools here, the staff have been amazing. The guide dog users have really worked to try to work with any enrichment opportunities we've, we've worked to provide them. But I, I would say that um, in the next, probably, it's going to probably take us a, a year or two to catch up 
dog population wise, because it definitely had an impact on the number of dogs we've got coming in because it impacted the number of dogs for breeding. Because if we couldn't have staff in the building, we weren't accomplishing breeding. For those of you who may not know, we're a relatively small program. Um, and then also training because uh, many dogs coming in, their training had to be extended because training staff was having to kind of fill in some of the gaps for during the puppy raisers. Um, you know, shepherds need what they need. All dogs maturing do, and, and shepherds are not an animal you can really rush through the process. So that took extra time. Any of you who have worked shepherds or, or trained yeah. shepherds know that. Um, and so we, it is going to take us a year or two to kind of get back up to speed with everything as far as dog numbers. But we are back to currently normal operations using masking and social distance precaution. And we're like everybody else. We're watching to see what's going to happen next. For traffic training, uh, we have a it's a five day structured training program for our dogs. And we begin with using and we the 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 cue is always from the car for us. So we create an opportunity at the beginning of the five days where the car actually causes the dog to stop. We use clicking and treating for marking behaviors the first, cu the first couple of days as we progress uh, the dog through the series of behaviors we're looking for. And then it, we switch where the dog simply, the threat of the car and then the departure of the car is what creates the, the, the rewards the departure of the car once the car gets to be a little bit more intense and threatening in its behavior as far as, you know, you really don't want to leave the curb um, and you really want to stop for these things. So now the trainer then maintains that with, you know, using natural traffic checks throughout the remainder of the training. Once that happens with a progressive program starting in quieter areas, we kind of go back to quieter areas to give the dog a break because we do put a lot of pressure on the dog as, as anybody who's a trainer knows. Um, in the field, if it's local, it's easy to get a second trainer out there to do some traffic dog, some traffic training. But because the in-community nature, we're in Connecticut. And so, you know, we've got somebody to, we did, somebody just finished a placement in South Dakota. So that was not an option to get a staff member out there uh, easily. Definitely not. So what we what happens in the placement is that once traffic training is introduced, the training staff, on occasion, trainers have certainly out of necessity gotten creative. Um, and especially if it's an unfamiliar vehicle driven themselves once they establish the basic skills. Um, and that's always an option. But really, a lot of the focus is on using natural traffic, looking for opportunities. Somebody mentioned those difficult crossings. We just get that team right in there. If there are places they're not sure about, we make sure the dog is solid there. So the trainer uh, works with, stands behind the guide dog user per usual and uh, works with natural situations, looking for a variety, of, including hybrid. We do not yet have a hybrid car, but we do have a couple of steep hills and driveways we work with where we can actually turn the car off and then we surprise the dog by appearing with no sound at all, um, similar to what a ha might happen with a hybrid. So we try to make use of that. And then we ask the guide dog user to, because, you know, once that guide dog user, anybody, all of you guide dog users out there know um, that uh, both on the schools who, are, who work for the schools and also just out there in the world, you know that once you end up with, once you get that dog and you have that partnership, you are the trainer, essentially after that, you're the one hands-on with the dog. I used to tell people as an instructor, you are now the dog's trainer. So we teach the person to maintain, how to maintain those um, traffic skills in the field by using various kinds of natural traffic and how to do that safely. So I'm gonna, that's just a quick update. Um, I hope it was short enough. I'm gonna hand the baton over to whoever is next. Thank you so, so much, Gretchen. Um, okay, next on our list, we will move on to guide dogs of 
America, and that's Greg Steinmetz. Thank you, Vicki. Um, so, uh, as everyone else has said, it's been been quite a, a year and a half now, almost. And um, at Guide Dogs of America, um, out in Los Angeles, uh, we certainly weren't immune from from any of the the difficulties that COVID presented. Um, we are fortunate that we were able to keep both our breeding and nursery program and our kennels uh, operational uh, throughout the pandemic and um, have been able to get our dogs out and working uh, with their instructors uh, on a regular basis. So we haven't uh, experienced uh, an interruption of, of um, uh, in for training dogs, which has been very fortunate for us. Uh, last year in 2020, um, we had a class in session at the beginning of March. Um, our class is three weeks. So um, when the pandemic hit and the shutdown orders went into effect, we did send that group of students home just about a week shy of their, their final uh, uh, training. Uh, we were able to get out and see those clients uh, in their homes uh, once it was safe to kind of get back out and do some traveling. So we did certify um, those 10 students. Um, we also had some, some older dogs in the program that uh, have been pre-matched with um, some students. And uh, because of our wonderful instructors, um, they were able to get out and do um, several more in-home trainings last year and keep those dogs uh, moving forward with their new guide dog partners. Um, we resumed classes on campus uh, back in March of this year. Um, we modified our program. Uh, typically, we would have nine to 10 students in a class with uh, three instructors. Uh, we reduced our class size down to six um, so that we can maintain the three to one ratio, but still have um, the ability to do the social distancing. Um, and so we did do two classes um, in the first half of the year, March and uh, April, graduated 12 guide dog teams. And we're looking forward to um, two more classes in the fall, um, another six students, and then a, a full class um, in the second session in the fall. So we've been very fortunate to, to be moving those dogs forward and, and uh, doing our assessments and, and working with our students. Um, for our graduate services back in March of 2020, um, we implemented a weekly Zoom meeting with all of our graduates um, and had a wide variety of topics. Sometimes they were just a hangout, uh, so kind of a peer-to-peer -peer discussions. And uh, it's been very valuable. Our, our, our graduates have really taken to it. And so we are continuing that on a weekly basis going forward. Um, on campus, we um, have uh, just finished a renovation of our uh, nursery center. Uh, we do all of our breeding and, and raising of dogs here on campus. Um, we have a preschool yard, which we've had some great um, uh, sponsors and donors that have allowed us to redo our preschool yard. So our, our young puppies have a lot of new experiences um, before they go home with their puppy raisers. Um, we've also, um, in the last two years, we've modeled the dormitory. So we've uh, improved a lot of our technology um, in the student rooms. We've been able to provide uh, TVs and, and um, Amazon Echo devices in every room to kind of automate some of that. 
um, for our students. So uh, we've been we've been really blessed to to continue game training uh, dogs and, and their handlers here at JDA. As far as traffic training, uh, very similar to, to most of the other schools, um, where uh, you know we we have a, a focus on on traffic training during class and. Um, for our in-home students, um, typically we, we uh, keep our in-home trainings that we offer to returning graduates. Um, so they, most of them have had traffic training in the past um, and um, when possible for local students, we certainly will go out and do with a second instructor and do, do more intense traffic training. Um, but uh, we certainly can model that kind of in the field with our instructors when they're just on their own with the with the um, in-home training students. So that's what's going on here at Guide Dogs of America. Thank you so, so very much, Greg. Okay, so on to the next program, and that will be Guide Dog Foundation with Rivi and Cameron. Okay, all right, thank you very much, Vicki, and thank you everybody for being here today. Uh, this year, Guide Dog Foundation is celebrating our 75th year, so we're very proud of our history and all of the people that we have served in the past. Uh, we also would like to thank everybody for the continuous support of the pandemic. Um, us, just like all the other guide dog schools have been through very similar situations. Um, we are certainly making sure that everything is up to date uh, with all of our protocols and being safe with everything COVID related. Uh, we do have a class currently on campus right now. It's actually our first on-campus class. Well, actually second. We did a trial run a few months ago. Uh, but it's our second on-campus class, and moving forward, we plan on continuing on-campus classes. Uh, we also will continue doing some home trainings for those individuals that do require it. Uh, we have placed uh, 51 guide dogs in our past fiscal year, and our fiscal year runs from July 1 to June 30th. And we also have been working with, uh, we worked with CNIB doing a placement in, in Canada, which uh, was a wonderful partnership. Thank you again, Diane. Um, and it worked out really well. Uh, it was one of our graduates that we were not able to get a hold of um, and do training because we couldn't have the humans cross the border. Uh, so seeing IB was just very gracious and uh, lent us one of their instructors. Uh, we do, uh, uh, with our instructors, we have been doing a lot of uh, updates with our program. So for example, we've done some upgrades with upgrading with our targeting, using ID canes, um, advocacy and navigating through COVID-19. Um, and even with our way of teaching our dogs how to follow people uh, for waitresses and waiters uh, in a restaurant and uh, maybe a nurse at the doctor's office. So we've done a lot of upgrades and uh, we've got a wonderful team. I do want to announce that we do have a new graduate support manager uh, who is here on the call. It's Cameron McLendon. Uh, so I'm going to turn the rest of the update over to Cameron. Hi, guys. Um, very happy to be here. So as Ruby said, my name is Cameron. I was a GDMI at the Guide Dog Foundation and I have relocated out to San Francisco area and happy to still be working with the organization. Um, this came at a time where Karen Grice, one of our, our consumer service managers, she is retiring this year. So we are taking this as an opportunity to reevaluate our consumer service program and enhance it. So that will be an addition of a graduate support side. Um, and we have Janice Meehan, who is going to be the manager of admissions and process improvement. So we're really looking forward to continued growth and enhancing our outreach for our graduates and all of our applicants. Um, 
With that outreach this year, we were able to do a lot of kind of monthly updates when our instructors had to go home instead of working dogs on campus. We were able to design um, a handful of outreaches that we sent out to our clients. So some were fun tricks that they got to teach the dogs. I think one of the favorites was having the dogs learn how to give a kiss. So kissing someone on the cheek. Um, we also had other important outreaches such as assistance dogs and children and advocacy and kind of severe weather, natural disasters, really just trying to enhance the education for our graduates. So they have all of these things there with them. Another fun thing that our school has been able to kind of, we're starting to roll out just a little bit. We just had a trial here recently. Um, we are working with the digital ID cards, the Assistance Dog International. So we just able to roll out a sample of our graduates to use that and we're getting their feedback because graduate feedback is what is important. So we're gonna continue evaluating that and seeing if we can kind of continue to roll through with that and use that as an opportunity. In regard to traffic training, I have to say ditto. Ours is very similar to everyone else's um, with the training on campus and with the training out in the field. One thing that we have been able to kind of start using a little bit and I have to thank our new apprentice team and our education manager for that is for some individuals who maybe have never used a guide dog before, they have no idea what to expect of what it may feel like for that traffic of what the whole environment, they're very nervous. So we've actually been implementing a little bit of Juno work with that. We absolutely love using Juno work with our clients. We think it's a great way to get kind of hands-on experience before the extra stress is put on. So we can always do a little bit of Juno work in those situations and then once they're feeling more comfortable, introduce the dog who we know is solid on it. And together they become much more comfortable in those situations. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, boy, you all are just doing amazing. Um, the next school that I look forward to hearing from is Guide Dogs of the Desert. And that is Ryan Fox. Well, hello, everyone. Um, I actually have not been with the company for uh, very long. Um, actually, at my uh, four-month point, I was supposed to start in April of 2020. But, of course, that's just when COVID hit. Uh, but it's also been a blessing because I'm blind and a guide dog user. I actually got in touch with vocational rehabilitation. So now I have all the technology uh, that I need to do my job. And basically my job is uh, keeping in contact with all of our school's graduates, as well as our current students to obtain the relationship uh, so that they know that, you know, as a, as a blind person, I can relate to them on a deeper level than just someone that has sight and doesn't have the lifestyle of, of a uh, blind person. Um, as well as, uh, you know, if they have any questions, concerns, uh, if they're having a bad day with their dog, discrimination, anything, they can come to me for anything. Uh, we are actually at our 50th anniversary, so we've actually just opened up a new nursery for all the dogs to give birth in. And uh, we actually just had a, uh, uh, a letter just born a few days ago. We uh, well, actually, no, not a few weeks ago. We actually have uh, puppies that are about like three weeks old right now. Uh, we have more poodles than uh, Labradors right now, but we do have uh, poodles for those who are allergic as well as uh, uh, Labradors. Uh, and we also, because it's our 50th anniversary, we also have a brand new sidewalk that is actually now circling the perimeter of our school for our students to use. 
Uh, we don't have a right uh, now, but eventually we are uh, going to get a bus stop as well as a train platform going to be put in. Uh, apart from that, um, you know, with our with our uh, car training and everything, um, I don't know where from a worker's point of view, but from a student's point of view, because I'm actually on my second dog and both dogs have come from guide dogs of the desert, uh, is I do know we have a Prius, so it's kind of like updated, you know, quiet cars and everything. But it really tries to train you to listen out for the sound of the tires as well as um, just needing to put all of your faith and trust in the dog, which is something that we definitely try to abide by, uh, by, by here, is, um, especially with uh, the um, bonding of the dog, is uh, to really learn to have the dog, um, you know, be in charge when it comes to guiding. Wonderful. Thank you so, so very much, Ryan. Okay, so we have gone through the list. I haven't forgotten anyone, have I? <laughs> oh, Guiding Eyes. Guiding Eyes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Guiding Eyes. Jesse no DiNapoli, my sincerest apologies. <laughs> no, apolog no apologies needed. <laughs> <laughs> Save the best for last, right? <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, thanks, Vicki. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Jesse, and I'm happy to... Um, I do have to say it's it's been uh, so great to hear the updates and to see how all the schools have navigated the pandemic in the last year and are sort of coming through and and quote unquote getting back to to normalcy. Um, and so that's been really, really great to hear. And I think a lot of the things that the other schools have already mentioned, um, guiding eyes, also went through during the pandemic. Um, we did have a brief period from mid-March and uh, through mid-June where we did pause um, all of our training programs uh, and we also uh, emptied out our kennels and dogs were being fostered uh, from Maine to North Carolina all the way out to Colorado um, with our puppy raising community who was just amazing. Um, and we uh, started back up with training in mid-June of 2020, and we really focused just on home trainings. Uh, so we did many, many, many home trainings from June of last year through February of this year, 2021. Um, and we were able to bring our residential class training program back on March 1st was our first class. Um, super, super excited to have uh, students back on campus. Um, we are following uh, all the CDC guidelines. We are providing PPE um, where it's needed or if students are choosing to use it. Um, we are training in the campus program, uh, people who are vaccinated, people who are not vaccinated and taking all the necessary precautions um, that come along with having the residential setting. Our class program does look very different than it looked pre-pandemic. Typically, we would have eight to 10 students in class at a time uh, doing a three-week class. And right now, the residential class program is a 13-day training program. So just a little over two weeks on campus. 
Uh, we are only bringing in four students at a time, working with two class instructors, um, and we're doing two classes a month. Uh, we are planning on continuing with that model through February of, of this year. Uh, and like everybody else, we're also keeping track of, of the, the numbers and, and how things are going. And we are certainly prepared to, to make changes as needed. I think if there's one thing um, we all probably learned in the last year was how to, how to be flexible and how to make changes <laughs> as soon as quickly as possible. So we, we are prepared to make changes if we need to. Um, we are still running our, our home training program, our specialized training program, our uh, running guide program. They are all functioning uh, as normal. Uh, I do have a couple staff updates that I wanted to go through uh, because we are our vice president. Uh, she was our director of training programs, and then she was vice president of training programs. Kathy Zubricki is retiring this year. She is going to be retiring in December of 2021. Uh, we are going to miss her terribly. Um, I have actually never known a guiding eyes without Kathy Zubricki, so it's going to be a big change. Uh, but we're obviously super happy for Kathy. Uh, we are in the process. We don't yet have a new director of training. Uh, we are in the process of finding our next director of training, and we'll certainly keep everyone updated on that process. Kathy um, is going to be a big part of that process and has even very graciously agreed after her retirement uh, to, to consult with us as needed. So we are uh, one of the big changes. And the other change uh, that we have coming up uh, is a good change. Uh, last year, our manager of consumer services and graduate support, Becky Barnes-Davidson, retired and we missed her terribly. Uh, we decided not to fill the position at that time um, just because of everything that was happening along with the pandemic. But we are super happy to say that we are ready to fill that position again. So the uh, position is going to be posting on the Guiding Eyes website in just a few weeks. And we are very much looking forward to once again, um, I, I think we're going to have a new title with that position, uh, an outreach and graduate support manager. Uh, so I guess that brings me up to traffic training. Uh, as far as traffic training, uh, it's, it's kind of a ditto on, on what everyone else has said so far. Uh, we have several phases of traffic training um, uh, for class and certainly with our home training program, we do service the entire country uh, and uh, sometimes it is difficult. We don't always have multiple staff members in the same area. So we do utilize natural traffic tracks on home trainings, um, but we will, we do also do traffic setups. Um, one of the things we've, we've utilized uh, with uh, traffic training, home training, and only having one staff member is um, using uh, Vertex headsets so that the person driving the vehicle can still speak to the person working their guide dog. Um, and we also have, uh, particularly with, with new students who may not have experienced what it feels like when their dog is going through a traffic check and what that, the cues they're gonna get from the harness and from their dog. Um, we've also utilized grocery stores and grocery store carts 
to simulate uh, a, a, a cart approaching the dog and what backing up in the harness feels like, if that's the dog's response, or a very quick stop. Um, so we have gotten a little bit creative in those areas just to introduce what it feels like and then introducing an actual check itself. I think that's it for Guiding Eyes. So thank you very much for inviting us today. Thank you so very much. And I am fully aware that our time here is nearly over. And I just want to take a brief moment to tell, to just thank all the presenters um, for, for coming, taking time out of your, I know, crazy busy day to come and share what has been going on with the programs. And I personally am so, so very grateful for that effort that was put forth. And I want to thank you, each and every one of you. At this point, um, because our time is nearly over, I would like to go ahead and hand this back to Andrea. Thanks so much, Vicki. I um, have been listening to all of this and it is just fascinating and so inspiring as always, the, the, the dedication and creativity. But I was wondering why no one just puts a nail clipper on the bumper and the dogs would just take the hell off. And it'd be all good. Um, anyway, just kidding. Just kidding. Seriously, I'm on my sixth dog. I know that wouldn't work. Um, I, um, as I said, thank you everyone for coming. It's such a, this is always such a uh, wonderful, special and exciting session because we all know what's going to happen. And we love to hear about our own schools and everyone else's schools. And well, I'm not ever going to, you're never going to hear me saying, I wish I was in class because my dog's going to work for another 35 years, but I wish that I was on a campus with everybody and we were having a huge party. It would be great. Uh, and the dogs would be under the tables telling stories. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the fantasy I'm running with today. Because we're coming close, I'm going to give the closing CEUs. I hope that everyone can stay with us and to our next session. Again, thank you to our presenters. Thank you, Vicki. You are outstanding. Um, the closing code for today is, Maria, I can give it a little early, right? I'm not going to get in trouble. Um, you could if you'd like to end the session yes, a little we're, early. We're, right, we're five minutes, minutes out. So I, think, I, don't think, I really don't feel comfortable taking a question because sure. I think we will run over. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to end this session. Look at the power I've got. I'm going to end this session. <laughs> and the CEU code is 89237.